hello. So I thought before we get into the meat of the Gridwalk episode today, for those of you who live in different parts of the world, Nicole lives in New York. The Australian Grand Prix took place from, what was it, 11 p.m.? Oh no, 1 a.m. to 4 a.m. Yeah, 1 to 4. Right. So, Nicole was a little delirious. She also tweeted, like, she live tweeted it. So, if you want to see some of the delirious thoughts, head over to our Twitter. But I'm going to quiz Nicole on three quizzes of things that are, like, headline things that happen, or things Nicole and I have actually talked about, like, but talked about during the race. Just see just how much information she retained between the hours of 1 and 4 a.m. Really worried after the second restart, it all just started to get really foggy. I'm just like, what is happening? So, who knows? Nothing good happens after 2 a.m. So, right. Cold down our wind up on the grid. It's lights out. Away we go. This week's grid walk. Question one During the really long waiting period where they were figuring out what to do, uh, after after the first standing restart, or no, after the second standing restart before they did the silly lap with the safety car. So the mm-hmm. 45 minutes where we were just waiting. Mm-hmm. One of the drivers helped his engineers by dragging out the tire cart for them. Which driver did this? Oh no, I remember like seeing this and I can't remember who it was. Oh no. Oh, I'm going to guess something so wrong. I'm trying to now think who was still in play at this point. Oh. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, technically there's only 12 drivers <laughs> you could guess from. So you have a 1 in 12 shot if you just guess. Who, also like who's likely to do it, you know? Um. Oh, I don't remember. This is a shot in the dark answer because I really don't remember. I'm going to say Oscar. No, it was Fernando Alonso. Oh, that's a trick question. (laughs) Because you would never think he would be likely to do that. Yes, I know. And my brain was like, say Alonso. And I'm like, no brain, you don't remember right. (laughs) Brianna's also unlikely to ask an Alonzo question. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, all of it was there. You fooled me. <laughs> Who said, what are they investigating themselves? And what were they talking about? Oh my God, I really, I'm totally going to butcher this. Because it's so bizarre how I remember hearing all of these things. When I try to think of a face, it's just like a blur of nothing. What are they investigating themselves? Max Verstappen. Nope. It was Julian Palmer in the booth. And this is, what's particularly funny about this is Nicole and I had a huge text thread back and forth about how funny this was. And he was talking about that, uh, the standing restart that caused all the crashes. And up on the screen, there was a graphic that said, you know, start procedure under investigation. And he's like, what are they investigating themselves? Yep. Literally, I'm like, the whole time, I'm thinking, as I'm saying, I'm like, I can't, no, I can't think of any driver that would say this. And then I probably say the one driver that would never say it. Because I'm like, I don't know. And it was not a driver. 
That's why. Bye. The last thing is something happened to Nico Hulkenberg on the final lap behind that safety car. What happened to Nico Hulkenberg? Nico had to, I can't even come up with a real answer of something that would have happened on track that caused him to unbelievably fall back and just be Haas. Um, he sneezed. I didn't say he fell back. I know. I this is me just making an assumption of what I cannot remember what happened with Nico in that race <laughs> at all. Like, at all. In the last lap, while they were just following the safety car for a dumb show run, essentially, um, the Ferrari engine decided to go kaput. And he literally trundled the car to the very end. Wow. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah. I remember waking up and then seeing that later. <laughs> um, and not so processing. I, I did watch the race. <laughs> Can't tell by this quiz. <laughs> to be fair to Nicole, before we started, I gave her my like cutting room floor question which is who called the standing restart a quote stupid rule on the radio and she did guess correctly that that was Alonzo. And then I said I'm going to get all of the ones wrong on the pod. <laughs> so maybe I'm psychic. I do have one more on the cutting room floor if you want to attempt to redeem yourself. Oh my god, I think I need some kind of redemption cuz this is embarrassing. <laughs> so this was also a, a quote one that happened over the radio. One of the drivers went was asked by their engineers about the f final restart order and their response was bleep you tell me do you know who said that i thought this one was too hard actually which is why i left it on the cutting floor but it was funny I, yeah no because this is hard because my brain just wants to now say fernando alonso for like every answer but i'm like there's no <laughs> way that she would have also had like no another fernando alonso question so i'm gonna say again max Verstappen. see that that is a really likely answer right um, but this one was actually also hulkenberg where his engineer said do you know where norris is in the new order and he said bleep you tell me right right <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Max doesn't care about the order that's past no, like max knows max is one <laughs> right that's it that's all he needs to know but so all right well you know what guys Australian time zones are hard, and I watched the race. She did. Max won. I live tweeted it. There's evidence. Let's get into the show. Let's get into the show. Wow. What a race week to lead us into an extra long break between races. Uh, before we get started on anything, just let reminding everyone that we are doing something we're calling f1 spring break over on all of our social media channels you can follow us wherever you do social media at gridwalk show and we're going to be posting videos every single day reviewing a different f1 sponsor uh so still happy still tons of content but before we get into spring break mode on the pod we have to talk about the australian gp and all the things happening so in the show today, we're going to discuss the resurgence of hope and pace around the Mercedes and Red Bull's reliability. We're also going to attempt to figure out what is going on with the Ferrari car. Uh, we'll read the rules for you on many things, 
Um, so you don't have to read the FIA regulations because we did it for you, uh, including that photo circling of Max potentially incorrectly lined up on the grid. Finally, we're going to circle back to our conversation last week about F1 potentially reducing practice time after the weekend because they technically reduced practice time this weekend with all the we got a live test of what that would be like, essentially. So we're going to talk about that again. All of this happened, and I'm eager to talk about it. But for the second race week, post-pod, whatever this is, <laughs> in a row, we have to start by heading into the wild. Oh, boy. All right. Reminder of what this segment is. We call the FIA the zebras because we refer to them as the refs of F1 traditionally in most other sports we watch, refs wear black and white stripes, refs are the zebras. Therefore, we are going into the wild. The FIA's decision-making is also confusing. Some might say wild, therefore, double meanings. We're into the wild right now. Um, we do think that's clever, yes. You don't have to comment that. Yeah, and you could, yeah, because we know it is, so. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, there's a lot to talk about here. There's so much to get to. I hate race weekends personally, where the result is at the the biggest storylines to come out are the FIA, and it is that kind of race weekend. So we can litigate penalties and talk about red flags and restart orders, and we're definitely going to get to that and do that. But I want to start by throwing a question to you, Nicole. Uh, both answers, totally fair. There's no right or wrong answer here. Did the red flags and restart chaos make this race more fun and enjoyable for you to watch or less fun? Or did it have no impact at all? Like personally, just for you, what effect does this have on your race viewing experience? So the first disclaimer I have to say is just based on, as we discussed, the timing of this race for me being from one yes. to four in the morning. I was like, every time another red flag happened, I was like, no, I need to close my eyes. But I do think that if this was m more of the time frame when, you know, we get to watch races, which is still pretty early, but not in the middle of when I'm trying to sleep, I tend to find this chaos a little bit more or a lot more interesting to an extent that as long as if this chaos is happening and there can be some form of I, what I would say is like proper racing afterwards, I feel like it can be exciting and bring cars closer together, especially in a season where Red Bull is so ahead that you only have a few opportunities to be so close to maybe try to catch up. So I tend to enjoy it more, except when something happens where it's like, we're going to drive a lap around. So there's like caveats to it, but I tend to enjoy chaos. Um, when it comes so, to a weekend. So I'm going to ask you some clarifying questions. Okay. I want to be clear. I know what you mean, but I'm going to be the comment section for a second and give you an opportunity to clarify your answer here. Okay. Do you think it's more or less fun when the FIA make up rules to manufacture racing? That I do not enjoy. I do not think that the, yeah. I, I mean, the FIA, you... the FIA's inconsistency in their rule calling very much okay. ruins a race experience. I think when it is a proper and consistent process, a red flag situation could make a race experience more, could be 
a little bit more chaotic, thus interest more interesting to watch. I do not enjoy FIA's inconsistent rule calling and procedures when it comes to races and handling these types of things. Do you think when the governance of the sport manufactures things for excitement, such as turning a safety car into a red flag or changing up the order or making something a standing restart when it shouldn't be, or just applying penalties for entertainment, does that actually improve your enjoyment of the race in the middle of the race? <laughs> no, not at all. Okay. No, because that just feels, it's just, it, it, it kind of makes it like unnecessary. It's like, what's the point? Like, what's the point of putting Why all these racing cars and things? Why are we, yeah, well, it's not a race at that point. So no, no, the FIA, and it's, and again, it's the pick and choosing of when they feel like being involved in things. And when they suddenly feel like we're really gonna, you know, here are rules and we're going to enforce them. And sometimes they're just like, what's ha- what rules for anyone listening? I'm covering my eyes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> or you can so, watch on YouTube and you can you see what you're covering. Right. <laughs> um, yeah. Okay. So I asked a bad question, led you down the wrong road because I'm in a very similar space as you are, where while a normal red flag or a standing restart followed by the rules or teams being penalized correctly can add to enjoyment of a race, no part of watching the race this weekend did I find enjoyable in involving that part. Every, so when there was a red flag because Alex Albon crashed and they needed to clear the track, well, I didn't necessarily think there needed to be a red flag. I was like, okay, this makes sense. But so much of everything else <laughs> felt manufactured. And it's often assumed that the confusing and unclear decisions that the FIA are making, they're making for entertainment. And that's why I wanted to start the conversation here because I don't actually think it's providing additional entertainment. So is this storyline that it's, oh, it's for the Netflix generation or the FIA is just trying to make racing more exciting. Is that just a manufactured storyline to distract us from the fact that this sport is just incredibly mismanaged with background deals? I don't know what would be worse. Like they, it's both just whether it's on purpose or just poor management. It's like kind of one and the same to me. I don't want to think that because if if you're thinking about any sort of other sport governing body interfering in a sport that way at all, like it would just cause an unbelievable uprising. So that's why it's so funny that. This consistently happened with the FIA and F1. Yeah, people like this, that, what, but like there's still, I don't know. It, it just feel like in other sports, there'd be so much more of an uproar about it. And it's so common in F1. Yeah. So, just, yeah, yeah, I just think it's the, it, it, I think it's management. It's just management. It's just bad management, but it, it, it both can be true. So, why are, like, I think it gets back to why are, the, why is the media, why are us as fans, why are we all just defaulting to, well, the FIA is doing this because of entertainment? I don't, and to your point, I don't really care why the FIA is doing it, but I think we're missing the point. Like, we shouldn't be leaving the Australian GP 
And all of the discourse is around, well, this is like why Netflix is bad, or this is why like the sport needs to not care about entertainment. I, I think that is an assumption that the FIA is making all of these decisions and purposefully steward, stewarding their sport incorrectly because of entertainment. I think we just need to fix the fact that they're not stewarding the sport correctly. I don't care about the rationale behind it because that storyline is so divisive. It's there so people can go yell, we can all go yell at each other instead of yelling at the FIA, which is why I leave weekends like this. Like, okay, so no one had fun. So who are we yelling at? Right? Like, I've talked to Americans, casual fans. I've talked to hardcore fans, tech fans, racing fans, fans who just like the drivers. All fans, and the general consensus is, what is going on with this sport? Why do, can't they follow their own rules? I've yet to hear someone respond with, well, that was fun. And so who are they doing fun. this for? And it's not like race cars are boring. They're right. so, like, they're going hundreds of miles per hour on, like, and I can't. And even if it, you know, there's this major gap, and if you want to make the argument of like, oh, well, Red Bull's just like so ahead that it's not interesting. It's like, I'm st stop, stop that storyline for like a second. And there's 18 other cars on the grid that are driving crazy fast, all this technology. There's so many other things going on. And again, why we started a podcast called Gridwalk, because we want to talk about everything up and down the grid, because it's not just about who's in P1. It's not just about who's in the front. Is it what people talk about all the time? Sure, but even all of these choices didn't make that better anyway because Max still won. And there was no chance unless Max crashed that he was going to lose that race. So I just have decided, I'm gonna I'm gonna conspiracy theory this for a second, that this whole like F1's being ruined for entertainment purposes is just a bad storyline that is fundamentally incorrect, even if that was F the FIA's intention because no one is more entertained. We're all just frustrated. Everyone's frustrated and upset. So I'm like begging the the people spreading those narratives to like, like no one, no one thinks this is more fun. And now we have three more topics that we need to get into about things that the FIA did that are worthy of going into the wild and spending an entire podcast on in itself. It's just damn zebras. Damn zebras. All right. Want to move into some specific decisions? Yes. All right. Red flags. So instead of long safety card periods, they FIA really decided that they were going to red flag this. Um, yes. After many of these, I think you could have said that the cars could have gone around for 10 laps slowly behind a safety car, or they could have red flagged it. That was kind of like the decisions they were making, particularly for the Albot. And I, I mean, I think the Kevin Magnuson one too. Yeah. Uh, I think there's two parts of these decisions. One is, do we like that they did that? And then the other one is it, it's presumed that this decision to do this was a another backroom deal where the teams, FOM and the FIA, all decided that if a safety car is going to take a lot of laps on in the Grand Prix, they'll red flag it to not lose those laps. 
So one, so one side of it is, do we like the decision? And the other side of it is, are we okay with how they made that decision? And I'm gonna throw both of those questions to you. Okay. I, immediate gut feeling. Do not feel okay about the decision. It feels sketchy, it feels weird. However, thinking from just a perspective of like, would I hate to be watching cars just drive around? Like if I was thinking about the Australian Grand Prix and the amount of like laps that would have been behind a safety car that then like wasn't actual racing, but then I don't know, we ended up, it just felt like we were just sitting around and like no one knew what was going on. So I just feel like it could have been handled better that maybe we could have gotten like the racing. But again, I'm just asking for more communication during those long extended periods because they just become so much more frustrating of like, look, I'll sit. You just tell me why, what's happening on the track. Make it make sense that it's a red flag. And then I'm like, okay, sure. So from the perspective of the teams, I can see like, you know what? They don't want to be wasting their tires. They want to be able to race and like use their actual strategy. And you can't do that behind a safety car. But you can't just throw red flag every single time. It becomes unnecessary. It gets to the point that's like, it's an inconsistency. And then it's like, well, then what's the point of having a safety car? Just red flag it every single time. Yeah, it, it definitely felt silly in the moment. I mean, and if they were behind a safety car after Kevin Magnuson and it wasn't a standing restart, then technically there wouldn't have been that big crash. Theoretically, I don't know. Butterfly effect. Who knows? Um, yeah, I think I'm, I'm with you. I'm not super anti the idea of red flagging it. I'm anti the fact that it's not written down beforehand and told to all of us to your point about communication. Um, they're, the red flag regulations are very clear that it's supposed to be red flagged for safety. So after the Alex Albon uh, caution, they red flagged it and they said it was for gravel. And to your point about communication, nothing feels dumber than when it's the middle of the night, you're watching a Grand Prix, and they said, nope, we're going to pause in racing. We're going to ruin everyone's tire strategies because of gravel. Like, yeah, that feels so exciting. Like, woo! But if they, at the beginning of the weekend, said, hey, we're going to implement this new rule, and there's going to be, you know, the, the red and black flag. I don't think in the there's already a red and black flag, but flag people, I, I'm really sorry. <laughs> I got that wrong. Uh, there's so many flags, and a lot of them aren't used. Um, and that's going to be for, hey, we think that this safety car is going to be over five laps. And if the safety car is going to be over five laps, we're going to do this special type of red flag. Then we all wouldn't be sitting there being like, do you think we're dumb? Like, you're talking, like, I know that it's not because of gravel. I could figure that out in the moment. So it's, it, and then it feels manipulative. Yeah. It feels really crazy of just like, well, what are we doing here? And then also hearing the drivers on the radio continue and like jumping around from driver to driver of like them just being like, well, what's going on? And so many engineers also not knowing what's going on. Like it was just like, I mean, you and I were having a conversation and and it's still, I was cackling at it. And it's still funny now when you're like, Lewis is confused as am I. It was just no one knew what was happening and there, you couldn't get any answers. And that I, I hate to say I've gotten used to that with the commentators 
but like there was nowhere you couldn't get information from people that were there it was unbelievable yeah and i hate that every conversation about the fia and their stewarding goes back to you know if you just talk to us we would be okay like hire a pr team you know what i realized they didn't even put on our show outline for today is the fact that they can no longer celebrate because the FIA thought that being the no fun organization was like, is their goal. And last week was no, no bikes or things with wheels on track walks. And this week is no more iconic celebrations. Like no bikes, no celebrating and just not a lot of racing. (laughs) (laughs) Unclear rules. We're going to manipulate them to what we like and you can't have fun. Is that was the message from the FIA this weekend? Thanks. <laughs> mm-hmm. <sighs> All right, but I think I, we we're hammering them a lot. But I do like the idea of them red flagging and not spending tons of laps under a safety car. I also think that's safer for marshals who have to go out and clear up the track. Uh, it was sunny this weekend at the Grand Prix, but normally. The sheer amount of crashes like this happen can happen a lot on rainy days, so it's even scarier for the marshals. Just like, communicate it, set a clear rule that we can follow. Like, I should not be Googling the FIA sporting regulations in the middle of a race. That's my, that's my one ask. So we're going to talk more about that because, guess what? We had confusing penalty allocations where only one driver got a penalty and it was Carlos Sainz, but for some reason, Logan was allowed to drive straight into the back of Nick DeVries car and no penalty. And Pierre was allowed to not look in his mirror and completely take out his teammate. Actually, if you go back and you watch the whole thing, everything that happens with the exception of Logan taking out Nick DeVries, all pretty much happens because of what Pierre did. So instead of litigating the details of Carlos's penalty in particular, because it gives me a headache, and I think it's silly. I want to discuss this inconsistency from the FIA. And it seems like, again, they've made this backroom agreement where if you DNF, they decide, you've suffered enough. We're not going to give you a penalty. I'm just going to throw that at you. How? Why? Are you just as irate about this as me? Yes, it does not make any sense. It... Just because you do not finish in race does not mean that maybe you don't get points. And, oh, wow, who would be receiving the points? Mr. Penalty Points, Pierre. And what would happen if he were to have gotten points? He would be missing the next race. So, and it, it, it there's just too many points of, like, if this was somebody else, the odds of, like, I feel like a penalty being a bigger deal would be put into play because of course the whole Alpine situation this was another team yeah and Pierre drove into them it would but be But that doesn't explain Logan not getting yeah. points Yeah that and... I don't have the answer for And if they said we're going to Pierre's going to get this unimportant in race penalty but we're not going to penalize his license for XYZ reason Because they have changed the penalty rules, and I think half of Pierre's license points technically wouldn't be there. So I I really don't think anyone would be, like, super upset if the FIA came out and were like, this is a five-second penalty for causing a collision. 
because the regulation is if you are found to cause a collision, it is an automatic five-second penalty. And then underneath that, they said no penalty points will be applied to Pierre's license. I really don't think anyone would be up in arms about it. Similarly, if they were like five-second penalty for causing a collision at Logan, it doesn't matter. He didn't get points. Okay. But, and guess it's not like it's, this is like the last race of the season. Like, okay, we'll put in a five-second penalty for the next race. So when they come in a pit stop, they have to wait five seconds before they touch the car. Like, why That's can't it why can't it go to the next race? I, I, it makes no sense to me. Because, like, okay, you'll just ruin your team's whole weekend and, like, that that's it. We're just, that's nothing, no penalties for that. I Yeah, I don't know. And it then makes Carlos sense. gets a penalty? And so that's the thing, is if they decided not to penalize Carlos, because their whole thing was, well, we didn't penalize Logan and Pierre because it was a first lap thing. It's like, so it was Carlos's. Mm-hmm. And again, I'm not going to litigate whether or not Carlos was a penalty. It's the inconsistency of it. You either have to give them all penalties, or you give none of them penalties. And, like, Carlos is sad radio. It's the one thing I... That that, that is... That you remember. That is burned into my brain, because it made my heart so sad. Yeah. I, it, it, it too is point and Vassar said this afterwards it was like that was the quickest penalty decision we've ever heard it took them hours to decide to not apply the rules to Fernando Alonso but Carlos gets a five second penalty instantly but no Pierre and Logan didn't do anything wrong like I just it Mm -hmm. it all comes back to you need to be like and then I again I'm sitting there in the middle of the race going through the rules of the regulations to try to figure out why Carlos was the penalty and why these other ones were. And the answer is they DNF'd. And there's this stupid gentleman's agreement right now with the sport. That's, that... yeah, that's exactly what it is. <sighs> All right. We're getting to the end of the Into the Wild and I'm just getting more and more irate if I like <laughs> outlandish about it. Because we have one more thing to talk about. And this one actually involves me reading a regulation. <laughs> so we have to talk about the decision to reorder the race back to the order before the second standing restart um, versus keeping it at the order post restart. Article 53.3 of the sporting regulations, if anyone wants to go back and look at it, and there's part of it that says in all cases, the order will be taken at the last point which it was possible to determine the position of all cars. All such cars will then be per- permitted to resume the on-track session. So essentially what this says, and I'm going to read it one more time so everyone can let it sink in. In all cases, the order will be taken at the last point at which it was possible to determine the position of all cars. So essentially... At the last possible position that the FIA was able to say, that was definitely the order. That's the order that would be selected. Now, where this gets muddy is that in the timing screens, there was essentially a order that was not the order they went with. The order a little bit later, but before all the crashes. So really, we have three orders here. We have how they started at the grid for the restart, how the shakeout was at the very end. There was this time in the middle before all the crashes started where they've done some mini sectors 
where there was a new order. But for some reason, they didn't go with that order. They went with the order from the restart. And I can't really tell them they were wrong, because the regulation literally says... At, basically, it was like, oh, whatever you guys figured it out. And how do I judge their judgment? Because the regulation is just... Whatever you think's right. And my question in all of this is, why did, if that is the case, if the regulation literally says, I don't know, whatever you guys think is right, why did this take so long? Right. They, they literally make the decision. But then my other question is, okay, I can look at a little map for a subscription that I pay for, and I can get some kind of idea of an order when it's working, which goes in and out but what do you so why do you, what do you mean that you gotta go to the start to figure out the or like it makes no sense but to your point literally whatever you say is right how do you not know how do you not know going into if this happens if there's a crash at any start let alone a restart what do you then do like this is not like this has never happened before <laughs> I think we ended the last Into the Wild segment with a very similar thing, which is why doesn't the FIA have a PR team? Why don't they have better communication? Why don't they do any pre-planning situation management? Oh, we're going to have a standing restart. Let's make sure we have all the things in place to make sure if there's a crash, which tends to happen with cold tires and standing restart and chaos and people tired at the end of a long race, like maybe I just, they always come across this might not be what they're like in the back room but it always comes across like i have no idea what's going on <laughs> i have no idea and everyone's like well what well what blah, 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 blah. and everyone on tv no one has any idea everyone in the paddock no one has any idea and then a decision is made and no one understands why that decision was made and then there's a rule and whatever the rule ends up being is the faa has the discretion to decide and the only reason we know what the rules are is because we have to sit there and Google through the list of sporting regulations ourselves, which is just, I, I have to say, in no other sport I've ever followed have I had to look up a rule book, ever. It's wild that I have to do it so often. It was a big week, mm -hmm. as we've just gone over so many things that happened in Australia. And we didn't even mention Daniel Ricardo, which I know we've talked about so much in the last week. And I am only going to be ranting about Danny Rick for a little while longer. Just kidding. I'm never going to stop. That's a lie. So, right. I, I will never stop. Hence why I'm here today to step upon my soapbox and speak to directly to Daniel Ricardo about why he should just take the hot seat let Kevin go hang out with his adorable daughter and just take the Haas seat. And that's what I'm here today. I have some solid points. And Daniel, I know you're listening because you're an avid listener to the pod. So I can't wait. This is going to be a good one. Um, added context. Daniel Ricardo chose not to drive because he doesn't want to drive for a backmarker team. He now has said some inklings that he's like, oh, I might want to be in a car again next year. And everyone's going, okay, but it's going to be like the Haas, right? Over to your soapbox now. <laughs> Steps on soapbox, box of soap. <clears throat> Hi, hello, Danny Rick. You're a race car driver. 
You, in your free time, do motorsports. You like to go fast. So this whole job, going fast in a car, and I understand using the word fast to describe Haas, not very common. There we go. Hence to be referred to as a tractor. However, Haas is still an F1 car and you can still go fast for your job. Not out of the question. <clears throat> Next, we understand that how things ended with McLaren were ugly. No one liked it. It did not feel good. You make a public statement on your Instagram story about how you're committed to the cause. And then suddenly it doesn't really seem like it was fully your decision to leave. So don't you want to end your driving career on your terms when you really want to and not because some papaya team just kicked you out and blamed all of their problems on you. You can come back and do it all over and decide to leave when you want to. You're a competitive guy. I understand that. It's one of my favorite qualities about you because I am too of a competitive person. And Haas and competitive are basically opposites. But look what Nico is doing on Saturdays. Something's happening in that car during qualifying where he's like not completely out in Q3. You could at least make a show of Saturdays and have a whole ton of fun during qualifying, depending if qualifying stays Saturdays, whatever. So there could still be some sparkle there. You can find the magic at Haas. We know you love money because that's been, honestly, we know the real driving force behind a lot of career decisions that you made. And that's okay because money's great. Money is fun. You love money sometimes more than you love being competitive. And I don't judge you. I judge you a little bit for that, but I don't hold it unbelievably against you because you're a human. I would absolutely love to be earning $18 million for basically taking a gap year. Right. Yeah. He And to just like run around with Red Bull and record random things. Like... Stand right. there and diffuse the tension between Max and Checo. He's nah, a very create, expensive therapist. Create more tension. I love it. It's great. Being rich looks so much fun. And here's the thing. I think Haas, not like they're going to give you, uh, paying you minimum wage. Haas, I think, would find proper funds in their budget to allocate to a salary for you. For probably two overpriced contracts. So, come on back. <laughs> I don't need to go into the PR marketing rant of just you're a PR genius. So the only thing I will touch upon, think of the gold viral guaranteed content that you could have just by putting Daniel Ricardo and Gunther in the same video. Done, great. Imagine that nonstop every single weekend. Competing at Haas is basically like your senior year when you only take electives. The bar is so unbelievably low that you would have to screw up so bad to be considered a disappointment. So coming back, again, bar is so low that people will just be so happy that you're there. So in closing, because I have to be realistic, as if Danny Rick, Danny Rick is listening to this entire thing and is this is how he's deciding if he really wants to pursue the grid. A seat in a competitive team, at least next year, not going to be available. 
So if your heart at all is still on the grid, just take the damn seat, please. You only have the relevancy and this opportunity for so long before the younger drivers become more relevant and no one's looking to have you in a seat anymore. But honestly, after this weekend and seeing how happy he was, if your mental health is so much better off the grid, be the PR man off track. I support you, become a commentator on F1 TV, and I will also be happy. Thank you. I really enjoyed your soapbox. I was laughing through the whole thing. I had to put myself on mute so so you could get your full soapbox moment. But I hope you I hope you feel good. And I hope he listens to you. I am shocked, though, that on your list of rationale to take the hoss seat, one of them isn't that he can just yell Nico Hulkenberg's name at all points. It felt like it was going to fall under the PR area. And if I needed to pick, like, what would create the better content, like, driving home is, like, the potential of, like, Think of what you and Gunther could do standing in front of big boats. The Miami GP content could be unbelievable. Really? You could not get three more random personalities in a room if it's Nico, Daniel, and Gunther? Right? Unbelievable. It probably goes without saying that I'm very embedded in F1 news. A, because I can't half like anything. Anything I like, it needs to become the personality. I obsess over it, which I know you could relate to. <laughs> but also be because of this podcast. So I do spend a lot of time reading and learning what's going on and like staying up to date on various things. Yet I can find zero information about Ferrari's development plans. Ferrari is the fourth fastest car in the field. And it looked like the Alpine could have been faster at points this weekend. They have zero reliability right now. Charles has DNF'd in two of the three races. And I just, I've spent a lot of time in prep for this recording trying to find, okay, what's their plan? I wanted to be able to come here and discuss their development plan and when we're going to see things. Because I can tell you right now that we're going to see things from Mercedes and Imola. And we're going to see stuff from McLaren just next race at Baku. Like, like the teams that are struggling besides Ferrari, I feel like I know what the deal is. What is going on with the Ferraris? I wasn't able to find it anywhere. Please tell me you were able to find something. I was not. I was also looking up just any kind of inkling that wasn't, that was from a reliable source and wasn't just like, a, oh, we heard this from this. And like, I could not find a quote from anybody from Ferrari discussing potential plans. So I know we're like, what's going on at Ferrari? I kind of think Ferrari is also like, what's going on at Ferrari? Like, I think- There's no quote because there's no plan. Because there's no plan or there's so many plans that there isn't one. And there's maybe like one room that maybe they know. And there's like a whiteboard where there's like four plans. Plan A, plan B, plan C, plan D. And, (laughs) And everyone is just outside being like, we don't know except for those people in the room. And those people in the room are not talking to anybody. Who are those people? I have no idea. It's like the puppets of the prancing horses, but I don't think anyone really knows. Um, That would be such a change for Ferrari. I'm just so used to us knowing everything about Ferrari. And because everything leaks or everything's communicated or at least something is made up. So then they have to correct the story. Like I, 
for the first time in a long time for my yellow sector notes later, I had to struggle to find a note about Ferrari. There's normally so much going on. I <laughs> genuinely, I know they brought a small upgrade to Jetta, but that's not a, oh, we've really slid back. Here's the plan. I, I, I don't, again, I don't know if it was, and just like Charles's, it, it's hard to even have him as like part of the conversation besides just being like, power unit oh like this is still a thing and you know we're not here to speculate like what's going on with him and if where he's driving anything like that but just like there's not we can't even have the performance of his car as like a real discussion of like where they're at because we haven't seen it (laughs) right when we were creating the show notes and we were like well we definitely have to talk about ferrari because it's a big deal that ferrari is the fourth, maybe fifth fastest car right now but for the last two races. Like, that's a big deal. They've really slid back. And then we were both like, okay, we'll go research, like, what the plan is. Like, make this a pot. I, I'm glad it wasn't just me that couldn't find anything. Because <laughs> I'm... Ferrari, it... tell us the plan. Are you yeah. abandoning the car concept? Like, someone tell us what's going on. It'll be interesting when we finally do get some kind of statement upgraded, just, like, some acknowledgement of something it kind of also feels like when the fia like finally makes a decision i feel like that's kind of gonna be like (laughs) the similar thing of when ferrari lets us know when they're gonna update the car or something and you know well if you know maybe charles gets the upgraded not carlos well will we see it do anything we don't know like it doesn't it it's so frustrating because i they're ferrari they're supposed to be up at the front it should be a no-brainer and I'm just every weekend like, hello, what's happening? What's going on? <laughs> Gridwalk, the show that's just constantly asking for better PR and communications. It's not that hard. I would be fine if they were even lying to us. Like, this is the plan. Like, I couldn't even find, to your point, a quote that was like, anything. Yeah, lips are really tied at ferrari and it's more concerning to me than it is like oh they got something good like i don't think i don't know it i don't have a good feeling about the lack of communication yeah well i will i'll give the positive spin even though i feel exactly how you're feeling maybe it's showing that fred is able to make an actual impact on the team if he's able to come in there and actually keep everyone at Ferrari type lift, that's impressive to me. And it I was, don't know if that's what's actually happening. Right, right. But let's play the world, play like in the world of that is what's happening. It would be, wow, you know, he's really following through. It's exactly all he was talking about before fully starting and in the middle of the off season of communication, the big problem, communication, this, that. And yeah, I think, Ferrari being Ferrari and Italian media and, you know, people who know people like things can get out and people can say things. But you know what? If you have a leader who's really serious about that and says they're going to crack down on and, you know, make it a tight, well-run ship. But I don't feel like that's what's happening. But sure. I hope for Ferrari that is what's happening. (laughs) You know, Charles, uh, you know, last year, Max... DNF'd in 
Bahrain and Australia. So hang on to that for you. Look, you have a long F1 spring break. Hang on to that. that oh, I mean, I don't. I wasn't thinking. Not say, yeah, Charles yeah. Fan. Charles fans. To clarify, do yeah. I don't feel that way, and uh, don't believe that will happen. But just to ha ha ha. Every race week, we come with some podiums of the weekend that normally don't have a lot to do with on-track action, but just things we would like to award. I think I'm going to start with my quotes of the weekend. All right. P3. When Julian Palmer said, I forgot that Bottas was here this weekend. How could you forget about Valtteri Botas? This makes me sad because I can never forget about him, especially in his honorary home of Australia. <laughs> yeah, he had a great, great off-track week, a rough on-track week. Oh, it yeah. just felt like peak Julian trying to fill for the 45 minutes when the FIA was just trying to figure their stuff out. And he seemed just as tired as me, which is why I thought it was deserving of an award. Oh, yes. I respect the hustle, and it was very hard to fill that time. I just love VB and will just, boo, I'll never forget him. But yeah, no, it was very funny trying to make the content. <laughs> All right. Uh, P2, I'm going to give one quote here, but it was really a collection of quotes, which was Lewis on the radio to Bono when he said, how do you get back here? But really, it was just the series of things he said as the race was restarting for that one safety lap. It was all just questions of confusion of what was going on. How do you get back here? It really just felt like a sitcom. Like, it did feel right. like there should have been, like, a laughing track throughout the race of just, yeah. like, Lewis going, who's behind me right now? Bono going, Alonzo, how do you get back here? Peak per comedic perfection. Great quote of the weekend. And P1 was again Julian Palmer. What are they investigating themselves? Fantastic quote. Just saying what we were all thinking at the time. It, it was, was one of those man. moments of really like, did he just say that? I just. I didn't give an honorable mention, but I just thought of one, which is the amount of time that um, Alex and Julian in the booth just kept talking about how long it's been since David Caulfield left the booth to go do interviews for with the, with the podium finishers. They He's just kept being like, there. yeah, well, he left 15 minutes ago. Well, he left 30 minutes ago. Wow, he's been standing there for 45 minutes and just went on and on. It was really a good time. Those were it's my like good top He didn't come back yet. He's still there. Got it. Good. Yeah. Got it. We know. Thanks. I wonder if he got a tea. Like, you know that they were really filling when they said, I wonder if David Goldfield got a tea. And those are my quotes of the weekend. Oh, fantastic. Well, I have, uh, I have my favorite wholesome moments of the weekend basically moments that just like really tug on the heartstrings they're not all danny rick moments although i did really want to do an all danny rick podium but i was on my soapbox enough today yeah you had an all danny rick segment so i really think right right so that's why um he doesn't have a whole podium so wholesome <laughs> moments throughout the entire weekend i do 
want to start with an honorary mention of one of the weekend one of the days this weekend Danny Rick was driving in and they have all the fans there was a bunch of signs there was one fan that had a sign that says I wrote a song for Daniel Ricardo and then when you flip the sign over it says Danny Rick and then there's a QR code and Danny Rick took a picture of the kid's sign and then also took a picture of the QR code it showed and posted all of this on either his Instagram or on the Daniel 3 JPEG account it's so so cute uh I just wholesome, adorable content. I gotta believe that that made that fans year, uh, interacting with him than being on the Instagram. That's so P- cute. I didn't know right? about that. He's so adorable. P three of wholesome moments. Yuki entire fan interaction this whole weekend. There was videos of him jumping barriers to go meet fans, and then Alphatari had a family of uh, and was adorable tiny children who wrote fan letters to Yuki, and they brought the family to meet Yuki and said, "Why wouldn't we just let them deliver this letter too?" So Yuki had some incredibly great fan interaction moments. So shout out to Yuki for going the extra mile and really making the fans feel special. I just, P2, I, I can't believe he jumped that barrier. That was really impressive. And all of the security was like, what is he doing? What? Is-? They were just like, it was Mr. Krabs' name everywhere. Yeah, it was no question. He's like, doo, doo, I'm here. Yeah, crazy. Hops. But ho- super hops. <laughs> uh, wholesome moment P2. Oscar scoring points at his home race. Just, so, I can't imagine. It's like writing a movie, especially not expecting McLaren to have the weekend at all that they had, and that's where we'll leave that, but very happy for Oscar. Except that he wasn't supposed to be in the points. Okay. Doesn't matter. I mean, matters for so many reasons. But when it comes down to the whole thing, right. (laughs) Yes. Home race, points, very great. I'm sure his parents were thrilled. Controversial podium here. (laughs) Oh, yeah, again. Clarifying why it's wholesome moments that made my heart strings go yay yeah okay and <laughs> p1 again wholesome moments for me any moment that danny rick was on tv during the race or qualifying and people started to cheer and then he saw he was on tv and he had big big smiles and it was adorable and it was great and it just showed positive mental health growth and again my p1 my podium wholesome moments thank you very much <laughs> I thought that was very wholesome because he just, he did seem genuinely happy. Right. You're so cute. All right. I have one more podium. Woo! It's top team social media posts of the weekend. In P3, it's the video that F1 and Alpine put out of Esteban and Pierre cooking burgers for Jack Doohan. We love creative, creative content. Yeah, really great content. And I appreciate that Alpine has decided the solution is Jack. Just put Jack in the middle and everything will be fine. P1 and P2, I went back and forth on what should be P1 and what should be P2. But I went with P2, Darth Toto. Toto, especially then when it's next to the Darth Kermit. Yep, yep, yep. It was fantastic. Good job, Mercedes. 
And in P1, Alfa Romeo posting question marks as their team finishing positions. Because it was just how we all felt. It was their normal graphic and a bunch of, huh? <laughs> really just knew the vibes. They just felt the vibes. I also could, loved all of those post-race things because you could tell how the teams were feeling. The teams like Alfa Romeo were just like, woo, this chaos doesn't involve us. Let's be funny online. And the teams that it did involve were very silent and did not find it as funny as the rest of us did. No, they definitely did not. But, and then you could also just tell when some, you know, social media admins were like really writing their like 11th cup of coffee and just needed it all to end. So we just need to tweet this. We need to get the post-race graphic out and then we'll go to bed. And I felt that. That's kind of what your tweets probably sounded like. <laughs> That's what they felt like. <laughs> so, especially after Jetta and we, with Esteban and Fernando and starting at the grid, we've, I feel like almost exhausted the topic of not lining up correctly on the grid as a penalty. And then I saw photos online from multiple angles of Max lined up, not lined up, past the line. I, I can't figure out why the way that Max had lined up was not a penalty, but then Esteban and Fernando so clearly was. Yeah. So we could probably call this entire show this segment, but this segment is... We read the rules for you. And I'm going to read the rule right now that I unfortunately had to look up to figure out why Max wasn't penalized, but Esteban and Alonzo were. And hopefully this will help, or we'll just continue to be confused. So there are three different ways you can be penalized for an incorrect starting location. A is... You moved at this, you moved, I'm not even going to read this. You moved too early. You jump-started. I think we all get that one. B, you position your car in a way where the transponder that's reading your start time can't read your start time. So basically, again, a secondary false start because they can't even judge whether or not you false started. But then part C is what we're talking about here. And it's any part of the contact patch of its front tires outside the lines, front and sides, at the time of the start signal. I'll read it one more time because a lot of words mumbled. Any part of the contact patch of its front tires outside of the lines, front and sides, at the time of the start signal. So essentially what this is saying is that the contact patch of the tire needs to be outside the lines, which can be inferred as if any part of the tire's contact patch is touching the lines, then it's in. Um, so uh, tennis rules, essentially. So if the, you know, except it's tennis rules, except they haven't implemented the technology for the replay. 
So essentially interpreting the rules that way, because so much of F1 is interpreting the rules that way, if outside means not touching the line, now you could argue that the grid lines are pretty thick, so outside could mean theoretically also touching the line, but I'm interpreting them the way the FIA applied the rules this week, which is as long as the front tires both have contact patches on the line, technically the rules are followed. Max was definitely playing with fire though, because when you see the video, he stops correctly in the grid and then chose to inch forward to get that little edge, which is totally fair. But if he literally just like just little breath, he, he would have been against the rules according to the rules. But that is unbelievably confusing still. And again, why did I have to look up the rules so many times this week? So can it be like a one tires touching? Or is it like both have to be like only touching a little bit? Like, I, it just seems like there's so much like interpretation, perspective. My understanding, and hold on now, I have to reread it again. My understanding is that the difference between Alonzo and Ocon's penalties is that one of their tires was out the side and was not touching. Therefore, so I think you need both tires inside or touching, not outside, because all, yes, because it says tires. So any part of the contact patch of its front tires. So the tires cannot be outside of the line. And they're interpreting that as if one tire is touching the line, but the other one is not, then you're outside the lines because you're supposed to be within your grid slot. Why can't it just be like, be in front of white line of grid slot? Well, my whole thing is, why can't you just implement the technology to do this? Like, we shouldn't be a, like a steward needs to go there and like zoom in on the image. Like, oh, yes. what, what is <laughs> Yeah. It goes on and, Twitter, like zooms in from every grandstand perspective. Right. That's essentially what they do a lot of the time when, again, tennis like, we can figure out if a tennis ball touches a fraction of a smaller white line. So I really think we can put sensors in these tires to figure this out. Uh, I know that technology is there. F1 is too poor. F1 is, they oh, don't yeah. have the money. They cannot spend the money. Can't do so, it. Nope. Nope. There you go. We read the regulations for you. Hopefully it's slightly clearer if you're listening right now. And if it's not, we're just as confused as you. Welcome back to the Yellow Sector Notes. Not the fastest walk around F1, but we will complete a full lap around the paddock hitting every F1 garage. Red Bull have officially announced their licensing deal with Yeti, which we did hear about a couple months ago, but it's official now because they posted a photo of Max with his trophy of champagne in a Yeti cooler. I personally associate Yeti coolers with fishing and college fraternities, so I'm excited to see the brand match and the content they will create. Aston Martin released a merch line with Fernando Alonso's merch company, Kamoa. Mercedes released a special tie-dye merch line this weekend. This was made for me. I completely believe that they their merch team had me in mind for this. I love it more tie-dye. Mercedes makes really fun fan merch. So 
I, I just want it to be purple. It's gray and white. I want a purple variant, please. Good, good start. Good start. Yes. Yeah, no, I'm being too picky. I'm being greedy. You're right. <laughs> Charlotte Claire had his very expensive watch stolen last April, and we got news this week that the police arrested suspects, and with that, they released footage of Charles chasing after the thieves like he was Batman. Alpine is currently in hiding after one of their drivers took out their other driver this, at the race this weekend. So for my note for them relates to things that happened before the race. Don't let the chaos of the weekend distract you from the fact that Esteban debuted a new jacket this weekend. Which, if you're also an Esteban fan like we are, that's a big deal. It's a really big deal. McLaren boss Zach Brown wants to find a way to be competitive with the top dogs of F1 this year. So he challenged Christian Horner himself to a race at Silverstone and Toto Wolf to a boxing match in Vegas. I have to say it's a creative way to try to win a championship this year. Rocket is countersuing Williams for damages to its reputation in a Florida court. Well, I could just leave it there because that's a sentence. I will remind you that Rocket lost a suit in London court to Williams in the last year because they failed to pay their title sponsorship in 2020. This is a countersuit in, in Florida courts. Uh, Nico Horkenberg is vocally upset about the, how the Australian GP was run. Nico, now you haven't been in the sport for a while. Welcome, this is how it is now. VB's race-worn helmet from the Australian GP is up for auction on F1 Athletics on, until April 11th. All the proceeds will go to the non-for-not. All the proceeds will go to the non-for-profit Save the Children. Nick was shooting content for the Automobile Club of Monaco early this week. And on that note, that's the gridwalk for April 6, 2023 completed. How is my sector time today, Nicole? Much faster than the final lap of the Australian GP behind the safety car. <laughs> no, not saying much, but it was very fast. <laughs> so as always, we want to give a big, big thank you to voiceover man. Thank you to my mom. Happy birthday today. And our four <laughs> and our four-legged executive producers for the cuddles and emotional support. Turn on auto downloads. Please make sure you have those turned on. Rate and review the pod. This really helps us out, especially you people on Apple Podcasts. Take like two seconds and leave a review, letting us know what you'd like about the show and what you'd like to see us try out. We really want to continue to improve our show. Follow us on social media everywhere, the platform of your choice. Don't miss out on our F1 Spring Break content. 25 days of F1 sponsor reviews all over our social media. So follow us everywhere at Gridwalk Show so you don't miss out on that and a bunch of daily Gridwalks. We'll be back every Thursday and we sincerely hope you join us.